You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey, and I am sitting down with Dr. Michelle Picorni. She serves as an adjunct professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, teaching doctoral classes on spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, and soul care. After finishing her master's degree in Christian education, Michelle worked for an international organization focused on bringing hope and healing to some of the darkest areas of the world. Michelle's doctoral work focused on burnout and soul care among leaders, and her passion is to help men and women thrive rather than merely survive in their daily life and work. Michelle is married to Mark, and their favorite hobbies include traveling, exercising, and enjoying food and laughter with friends and family. Michelle and Mark have one active toddler, Alexander. So Michelle, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Erin. I'm really excited to be here. I am so excited. And I have to say, because we've got to put this out there that I know Michelle from working at a camp together long, long ago, like a whole generation ago, I think over 20 years ago. Yes. And (laughs) so you are Dr. Michelle Courtney now, but back then I knew by your camp counselor name. So, (laughs) so funny. I love that. But I just, when I heard about your work and burnout and what you're doing. It got me so excited and I cannot wait to talk about all things burnout. So I want to know just how did you, oh, and I'm so sorry, by the way, anybody who's listening, if you hear squeaking in the background, that is my dog with a squeaky toy and better squeaky toy than whatever he could be tearing up. So I'll also throw that out there. Now I want to know, Michelle, what got you into burnout? What, what got you into this topic? Yeah, well, from two different aspects, really. Personally, I feel like I, throughout my whole life, I've had this pattern of just dancing around burnout and just living overcommitted, stressed out. And it'd become more than just a season. Like I used to say, you know, once I get through this deadline, then things will get better. Once I get through this and things will get better. But one of my friends kind of called me out on that. I was like, this has been a really long season. And I realized this has kind of become my way of life, just living overcommitted, busy, um, finding a lot of identity through my work and my performance people, please, I mean, there's a lot of things that can, can go into that, but, and I realized that the people getting the shortest end of the stick were the people closest to me. And I thought, I, I want to live life differently. So, so what is burnout? How do we live life differently? Because we live in a burnout culture. And then professionally at the time, I was also working at a graduate school and our mission and goal is to train people that are going into professions primarily geared towards helping others. And so those helping professions, pastors, counselors, teachers, um, and the rates of burnout in those professions happen to be incredibly high. And so as someone working at that school, training these people going into long-term ministry, I wanted to, how do we help them? How do we help them cultivate habits and practices that can sustain them from the long haul where they're not burning out, where they're not leaving their calling. And so, um, I really wanted to study it. I wanted to study how it's related to mental health, how it's related to our practices and our habits. Um, and just look at what contributes to it so we can identify like how to prevent and recover from it. So that's how I got interested in it. And it's, it's kind of really taken off. Um, people come out of the woodworks all the time because burnout is no respecter of profession. Almost everyone, in America, I can say that they probably danced around burnout at some point in their life. And so 
Yeah, that is so true. And I think, wasn't it listed by the World Health Organization a few years ago as like one of the top, I mean, what are they called an illness or what was that, um, that I read? This is way pre COVID, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but they listed it as a, as a serious threat to people's health. Exactly. It's definitely listed as a, as a, as a condition that's pretty ubiquitous. It's pretty out there. And um, there's some differences between what they consider mental health illness, where they can get funding and that sort of things versus, um, you know, what they consider burnout, but, but it is, it is a ubiquitous term. That's for sure. So what would you consider the definition to be like, what is actual? Because like you said, like many of us, I think, depending on our personalities, we, we function (laughs) this Mm -hmm. way naturally. We just go, go, go until we crash. Mm -hmm. Um, but burnout, it's not just like, oh, I'm a little bit stressed. There's more to it. So can you explain a little bit about what actually means? What, what is the definition of burnout? Absolutely. Um, well, the leading researchers define it as a multifaceted condition comprised of three primary aspects. And the first dimension is emotional exhaustion, which simply just means you're so depleted, you don't have much to give anymore. And so I think this is the piece that most people think about when they think about burnout, because it's so closely related to stress. And a lot of us live in this space of being emotionally exhausted. But the second aspect is depersonalization. And so this this kind of brings in other people in it. And this is when you start to feel kind of cynical about your work and you detach yourself from your role in the sense that you put less energy into it, you're less invested in it. And then you also depersonalize those people that you're serving with. And so you see them as tasks and burdens rather than actually people. So that's the second piece, depersonalization. And then the third piece is simply reduced personal accomplishment, um, meaning your sense of ineffective your sense of efficacy has really gone down. You're just uh, not as effective as you used to be. And so those are the three aspects that comprise burnout. And technically all three have to be present for somebody to be considered burnout. But like I said, I think most of us kind of live in that first, second dimension. Um, Maybe not so much in the third, but uh, it's, it's pretty common to be emotionally exhausted. And then from that to start depersonalizing yourself from your role and other people. Yeah, that's so good because I definitely know so many of us are emotionally exhausted about a lot of things, but those other Mm -hmm. levels are, are important distinguishers. Tell me a little, can you explain a little bit more about that reduced personal accomplishment and what that means and what that would look like? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's just really having a sense of ineffectiveness. And so where you used to have a lot of mental focus and clarity in your work and a lot of passion around it. Um, your motivation for one just isn't there anymore as much. And just your feeling of being as sharp as you used to be, as clear as you used to be. I mean, there's so many, we are such holistic beings. And so burnout affects our health, affects our mental clarity, affects, you know, just all sorts of different dimensions of ourselves. And so with that, you just become where you feel like you're not as able to produce like you used to be. And so with that can comes feelings of inadequacy or feelings of failure. And that goes back to feeling emotionally exhausted and such just kind of the cyclical thing that happens. And so all of the dimensions really tie in together. And then we also just really being holistic beings, you know, what we eat affects how we feel, affects our mental health affects. I mean, it's just all tied together. Yeah. Which is why I was so excited to have you on the show, because I think we've kind of both been going through this journey 
on our own path of learning about this, what holistic living looks like and how it is all tied together. And because how you show up, whether it's work relationships, it impacts even how your brain functions, which goes into how, what decisions you'll make with food and exercise and all of that. I mean, it's so connected and I'm, I'm just glad that you bring that up. Now, tell me a little bit because the way you're describing burnout, it also kind of sounds like depression. So mm. are, are they, could you have both or how do you distinguish between the two? Great question. Um, they're, they are closely linked. They are separate things, but they are so closely linked. And so people with symptoms of depression often look like the same symptoms of burnout. And so they're, they're so tied together. Um, but the, the distinguishing factor is burnout is mostly job related and situation specific, whereas depression is more general and context free. And so, um, but at high levels, the two look really similar. Like I said, um, there's a study that came out not too long ago that said 90% of people with severe burnout, as in like on daily occurrence of burnout symptoms are also depressed. So 90%, so they're so closely related. And so the symptoms of burnout, like I said, look a lot like the symptoms of depression and there's definitely a reciprocal relationship between the two. Wow. That just causes me to just have so many questions in my own mind about when people I know and people, you know, because we all have probably experienced this at sure. some point, right? Are there, are there some people or some professions that tend to experience this more than others, or is there like a trigger towards it or what have you seen? That's a great question. Cause that's part of why I got into it. Like I said, is because my role is helping people that are going into very people oriented helping professions. And that's actually where the whole study of burnout started was, um, a, a guy in the seventies noticed that he was a clinical psychologist and he noticed that he and his team kept experiencing what he coined to be burnout, um, because they kept taking on the burdens of others and really feeling them and not having an outlet to let go of those same burdens. And so it started in, I mean, the whole study of burnout, like I said, started in these, this area of helping professions, social work, et cetera. But it's also skyrocketed, especially in the pandemic in the medical health industry. Um, and so I think that was the second kind of industry related profession that was studied for burnout was um, doctors, nurses, people in the medical health industry. Um, but like I said before, it is, it is no respecter of profession any, a stay at home mom, an accountant, anyone can experience burnout, but it does tend to be higher in those professions where there's really intense demands on either their emotions, their time, their physical bodies. Um, that's where burnout really tends to really focus. And what have you heard just because I come from teaching and that's my background. And I got out about five years ago and I don't know if I would say that I was experiencing burnout, but I definitely, I needed to get out, <laughs> you know, it was, it was time. And mm -hmm. I, I think that teachers are experiencing this, especially right now with, with everything that's going on recently. So uh, is that something you see that with teachers as well? Cause you mentioned medical, any helping profession, social work, probably counselors, ministers, people like that. Yes. Yes. All of, all of them. Okay. <laughs> but especially teaching as you, as you mentioned, because a lot of burnout has to do with having, not having the resources you need to meet the demands that are placed upon you. 
And so you look at the teaching field and that's, that is very common is that they don't have the resources that they need to meet the demands that are placed upon them, especially the last year and a half where they've had to really change things up, go to virtual, have half their classroom virtual, half their classroom in the classroom, all of those things. That's, that's a very demanding thing to try to figure out, especially on the fly. And so um, I would say teachers especially need our care, our encouragement, our prayers as they continue to kind of do this dance with the global pandemic and school. But even prior, as you mentioned, teachers, I, I think because of the lack of resources sometimes that they receive, um, they're, they're, and also just they, they're in that profession because they care for students. And so that means that they also care for the burdens of those students. And so teachers often take those things home with them as well. And so, um, so all of us have to just develop some practices that can help us um, place those burdens. I don't know what I'm trying to say here exactly, but um, develop practices that can help us deal with the demands that are placed upon us. Yes, which I really, I want to definitely get into that, but I do have some more questions because my brain is just going (laughs) more questions about what it means and how it shows up because you also mentioned stay at home moms. And so moms can have burnout. That's beyond just like, you know, I'm just a tired mom. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And some of that, I mean, another contributing factor to burnout is simply isolation. And I know for me, when I transitioned from being a full-time, uh, you know, in a full-time career to being a stay-at-home mom, I felt really lonely. And I also felt really inadequate. It's like, I, I, there's no job description for this. There's no handbook. There's no manual. Every day is a little bit different. Um, and so just that feeling of isolation that you can experience as a mom, or when you're going through a big transition from being, you know, all of a sudden you have this little one <laughs> that you're caring for. And so that big transition can also contribute to burnout. So, um, Moms also just, you know, their, their, their jobs never stop. And so they often don't get a day off. Um, my son does not respect my need for rest necessarily. And so, um, so the, just the demands that are on a mom are, are pretty high and dads, there's stay at home dads as well. And um, all of us that are parents are, are trying to give our kids the best that we can, but that's a very demanding thing. Yeah. I have been known to tell my kids that I have clocked out for the night and I will no longer be taking any of their questions <laughs> or demands, <laughs> but I, I'm going to start I using that. that. Yeah. <laughs> if they call me from their bed, I'm like, Nope, you clocked out. <laughs> but yeah, like that's, that's true. It's hard. And that, that isolation piece is huge. And, and just also so many of us, we're trained, we go to school for specific training for whatever it is mm-hmm. that our job is. We don't get trained to be worked to death 24 seven asking for somebody to, you know, wipe me or get Uh me water or like we, we know that we're skilled at, you know, whether it's writing or speaking or helping people, helping students work out their, you know, English homework or whatever it is, right? Like we, we get trained for those things, but it's this other thing. It can be so grueling. And so I think that's really validating. I think for a lot of people to hear that, moms can experience burnout too. We're not, we don't have burnout, you know, um, immunity that that it can affect us as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's really good. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, one aspect for me, again, just as being a stay at home mom is I used to really enjoy feeling productive and getting things done on my to-do list. And all of that had to really be thrown out the window when I had this little one that's, that's in that, 
is so demanding of my time and my energy that I just wasn't able to accomplish some of the things that I was used to accomplishing. And so for a lot of moms, it can be kind of an identity switch. And, um, you know, when you put your value and your worth and your accomplishments that can really be tested whenever you become a stay at home mom or a, or a parent. So very true. Absolutely. Because there is no reward for the butt wiping. I I've looked, <laughs> haven't found it. Oh, this is, you're just speaking my language. I love this. Okay. So what about gender and burnout? Like do, is there one gender that experiences, experiences it more than others? Are women more prone to be burned out or men or how does, what have you seen in the research? Great question. Question, because I that was something I was really interested in because I really wanted to focus on our female students because that was um, at the grad school where I worked that was my primary emphasis was on them. Um, there does seem to be a greater amount of burnout among women than men, and I think that comes from a couple different factors. One is just in society, women are still primarily the caretakers at home and the caretakers of kids, but they're also in the workforce now more than ever. And so just all those demands on women's time and their emotions um, is really a high contributing factor to burnout. Um, it's interesting. There was a study on how people spend their time. And back in the 70s, compared to now, women now spend three more times with their kids, hours with their kids than women did in the 70s. And you think they're, well, they're also in the workforce more than they were in the 70s. And that's not to say that our moms that were in the 70s were slackers by no means. But the expectation and the pressure that I think the Pinterest world and just society has put on women and in the social media world, that expectation is there that we have to have our kids in the best schools and the best elite sport teams, um, that we're supposed to be investing in them and giving them this Montessori type education at home or whatever. And so there's all these pressures that have been placed upon us um, that women often feel and so there's, there's this term that they came up with called mental pollution and women experience that more than men. And that's just this idea that they have a constant sense of the to-do list rolling in their head. And so they may be present with their kid at a soccer game, but they're also thinking like, okay, I've got to get the laundry done. I've got to pick up the dry cleaning on the way home. I've got to da, 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 da. And so um, their brains just don't have as much of a time to rest as do their male counterparts lots of times. And so that's not to say that men aren't burnt out at high rates, but it does seem to be that women tend to experience burnout a little bit more deeply than men. And even the pandemic has played that out. Um, the studies show that women have experienced a, dif a, a more deep disruption in their life and in their mental health than men have. Um, women on a given day report 61% of women on a given day report stress in their life compared to about 52% of men. And so um, it does seem to be that burnout hits women a little bit harder than men. You know, as you're saying that it, it's so interesting to me because I also know that autoimmune illness is more prevalent in women than men. And I consider for a lot of people, autoimmune illness to be stress-based, <laughs> not for everybody, but typically there is some kind of a stressful trigger that triggers autoimmune stuff in people. Mm -hmm. And I find that fascinating. I think what you're saying, even about the influences of social media and living up to these expectations, 
it has seemed to increase our over awareness of what we are doing and what we aren't doing and how we could do more. Um, because the way I parent is very different from the way a lot of other people parent, but well, now I'm watching how, you know, Mm -hmm. thousands of people are parenting on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Is is that, is that healthy? Were were we ever (laughs) intended to be like, I know we were all supposed to like have this cute communal village back in the day, you know, ancestrally speaking, and we all raised our kids together. And so we are isolated in a sense, but Mm -hmm. then we're too connected on this weird microscopic level. That's not even real life. Mm -hmm. So gosh, that's so interesting to unravel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to think about. Yeah. I like, I'm just, I'm stuck on that going, wow, all of this, it makes so much sense to me. <sighs> okay. So with that being said at the root of this is as we have to figure out how to prevent this from happening, we have to figure out self-care practices beyond like, I'm going to go get a pedicure, see you in a little bit, right? Like, (laughs) so what, what are you seeing are are helpful behaviors for this? Great question. Right. And it's interesting that you bring up pedicures because I think people think of self-care sometimes, and they think of it in a very selfish, self-indulgent type of way. Um, Like I'm going to go get a massage or have a spa day and hopefully that'll help cure this ailment. Whereas, um, to prevent and recover from burnout, you really have to develop in your day-to-day life, these habits and practices where you do care for yourself. Um, and I don't mean just pedicures and things like that. I mean, eating right. I mean, it's, it's some of the not fun stuff that takes discipline. It's, it's eating right. It's getting enough sleep. It's really knowing your limits. It's knowing how much your family can say yes to, and what you need to say no to. I think that's a huge one is, is because a big contributor to burnout is just the busy world that we live in this 24 seven society that's constantly connected, constantly on the go. And so that pressure, like I said, to do more, be more, go more is there. And and a lot of us feel that, but we have to fight some of that pressure and fight some of those temptations um, so that we can live a more healthy, sane rhythm of work and rest and have a life that is focused on the things that we're really committed to. And so we really have to think about what is, what are my values? What are my priorities and start with that and build your life and schedule around that. So I'm trying to remember exactly what I kind of got off on a tangent. Your original question was practices. Yeah. Yeah, How do we prevent this? What are some things? So how, how do you get somebody started? Like how, because again, is that just another, for many people that could be just another to-do list. Like, well, now I have to add in these healthy behaviors. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like the last person, a person who's on their way to burnout wants to know is like all these other lists of things that they now have to incorporate into their life to fix it. <laughs> and so one of the first things that I would always tell people is that it is not a sign that you're weak. It is not a sign that you're a failure. It's simply a sign that you're human. And as humans, we have limits. And so burnout is a result of too many demands on our life that we're not able to have the resources to meet those demands. And so taking a hard look, seeing it as an opportunity for one thing and taking a hard look at your life and how you spend your time is a huge one. Um, And then one just activity I like to tell people that's hopefully a life-giving activity is write down 20 things that are life-giving to you. If that's tennis, If that's, you know, being out in nature and taking a walk, we really have to 
incorporate those things and cultivate those things in our life, those life-giving soul nourishing activities, um, instead of putting those things in the luxury category. So for so much of my life, I have put things like sleep, (laughs) you know, when I get overly stressed or there's just too many things going on, I sacrifice the very things that I need the most. I sacrifice sleep. I sacrifice eating well. I sacrifice exercise. I sacrifice great time with my family because I'm too stressed and overwhelmed to do anything else, but focus on the urgent, focus on what's right in front of me. And so instead of operating in that way, try to operate in a, in a way that is different in a way that, it, that's, um, like I said before, just really focuses on your values rather than on the urgent, the tyranny of the urgent. So it's really a mindset shift. That's where it starts is, um, changing the way that we think about life. You just said a phrase that I love. I don't know where you got it, but I kind of want to steal it. The tyranny of the urgent. Mm. Wow. That's a thing. Tell, tell, a thing. Like, I want you to expand on that. Let's talk a little bit more about <laughs> how the urgent is tyranny in our lives. Yes. Well, it, yeah, I've, I've been bound by with bound by it for a lot of my life. And I, um, I'm hoping to help others experience freedom from the tyranny of the urgent, but I believe the phrase was coined. I mean, a guy wrote a book on it. I think it was called the tyranny of the urgent. And so you may want to Google that. I can't remember the author's name, but um, it's just this idea that it's, it's the pressures and the, the deadlines and the things that are right in front of us that we see as urgent that aren't necessarily important sometimes even yes, they're important, but we put them at utmost importance. And so they then, define how we act, how we live our lives rather than, like I said, thinking about what is truly important and having that as your primary priority and living life based on that instead. So the tyranny of the urgent versus, I don't, I don't know what the other alternative phrase would be exactly, but just living life based on your values and priorities instead of being bound by that tyranny of the urgent. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I used to, it's funny. I used to have a reminder on my phone. And of course, like all reminders on our phone, eventually we just ignore them, but Uh I used to have one at a certain time of the day. It would, I think it would say important over urgent. That's what it would say. Like just a reminder to me to, cause I do, I get so caught up in, well, I got to do this because I'm always doing 5,000 things at once. And I've realized Mm -hmm. that's just me. I'm going to accept it, but Mm -hmm. I can't, I, I, cannot do all of those things at one time without blocking out specific time for specific things. And having the downtime for me is so huge. You know, I have to plan for instead of crashing by, you know, um, playing defense, like, Oh boy, I did too much. I'm going to crash. I actually plan for, okay, this is going to be my crash day. This is the day that I'm going to rest. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to worry about, you know, my phone or notifications or whatever. So anyway, so it, it's, it's so hard because many of us, we're used to the notifications, the constant, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. have access to emails. Like remember how, and maybe you do this. I think healthy people probably should do this, have the email mm-hmm. notification where on the weekend, it's like, I'm out of the office. Everybody knows you're not out of the office. Your office is right here on your phone, right. you know? And so we have lost so many boundaries yes, <laughs> with our cell phones being yeah. on us 24 seven. And how does that impact this rise in burnout? Yeah, it, it so does. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that constant connection, like I said, um, being always on having this 24 seven mindset of do more, go more, be more, all of that. 
um, it's such a huge contributor to burnout. I mean, we, we live in a burnout culture. The way that our culture currently operates is prone to burnout. And so um, just that constant connection, like you said, not being um, people knowing that you're available because most of us have our phones with us all the time. And most of us sleep with our phones right beside us. And so there's this constant availability and we have to figure out what our boundaries are and stick to those boundaries in order to live wholly and wholeheartedly and living in line with who we really want to be. We have to have those boundaries and embrace those limits and, um, and follow through with it. I, I'm bad about breaking my own boundary and say, oh, well, this time I can be, I can do this. I can say yes to this. I can do this. Um, and so we, in order to live a sane rhythm of work and rest, we have to be able to embrace our boundaries, embrace our limits and stick to them. Yeah. I've gotten to the point where I, it's, I have missed so many texts and emails and important things lately because I'm trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. So it's, and that's frustrating too, especially when you're an achiever, you're like, Oh, dang it. I missed something. And we even did this when we were scheduling yes. for this interview. I'm like, Oh, I never sent a zoom link. I mean, it just so much. Right. And that was right. situationally, I was in the middle of, and I feel like we're kind of tapering out of this transition we've been in. We moved, we moved our family, mm-hmm. put mm-hmm. the kids in a new school. We got a puppy. There's just a lot of change going on. And I, I'd love to know about situational burnout and when things mm are shifted, whether it's from, you know, a family member's illness or from a job change or a big move or whatever, how does that affect the way we function and show up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I, one thing I think is so key whenever you're anticipating a transition or anticipating some big change in your life or even not anticipating, and all of a sudden a big change occurs in your life and disrupts your normal routines and schedules and focus. Um, you have to give yourself some margin for that. And so like, like you mentioned, you um, can build in some time off and, and you even tell your kids like I'm, I'm <laughs> clocked out right now. And so building in margin to allow yourself to recuperate, to recover, to, to focus, to think more clearly is, is very key in preventing getting burned out from some sort of situational thing that's happening. And so um but we also just, in like I mentioned before, we live in this 24-7, very busy world. And so all of us could stand to build more margin into our lives. I mean, most of us live at 100% capacity. And we need to scale that back and live more like 80% capacity so that we have that 20% that's devoted to the unexpected and allows room for that. So that when all of a sudden you have a fender bender, instead of that completely derailing you, and yes, that's a stressful occurrence, but it doesn't have to define your day. It doesn't have to define the way you look at your day, I guess is what I should say. Um, when we allow margin for things like that to happen, then we're able to bounce back and, and handle those things in a, in a lot healthier manner. So, yeah, you know, it's funny. We talk a lot about 80, 20, when it comes to food, like 80% mm. all whole real foods, 20% fun foods, whatever. Or some people would say like 90, 10, whatever, but for life, it should be 80, 20 that yeah. we have 80%. We're going, we're scheduled. We've got a plan for the 20%. We've got to have room because you're mm-hmm. right. Like we, I mean, if we pack our schedules <laughs> and if we're running around, something comes up, it throws us off and it really throws us off. Absolutely. That's so, so I'd love to ask you a little bit, because I know you wanted to, um, 
talk a little bit about burnout in the brain. So (laughs) I want to touch on that because Oh, the brain is, is such a fascinating topic when, you know, the way we make decisions and the way we process. And I know when we're stressed, we can't make clear, good, healthy decisions. So right. do you want to touch on that? Yeah, I'd love to. And I mean, I also want to refer to some of your brain experts that you've had on your podcast mm-hmm. that know a lot more about the brain than I do, but I I'm fascinated by the brain. And it's so interesting to see what happens. Like when our, when our bodies are stressed, when our when we are stressed out, what impact that has on the brain. And so, um, basically whenever a stressor happens and well, part of it is because we live in a chronic stress situation often in America, it's not just, we have these stressors and then we get over it. Most of us are living in an, in a, at a level of chronic stress. And so whenever chronic stress occurs, then our brain is less able to You've got the prefrontal cortex that helps to calm down the amygdala. And that is where um, those emotions such as anger, irritability, fear, anxiety, all those things really flare up. And so when we're under chronic stress, our prefrontal cortex actually shrinks and is less able to help control those emotions. And so that's why whenever you are hit by a car, or something like that, and it's a stressful situation, that then you can completely lose it because of what's going on in your brain. And so we have to learn how to hijack that process. And so there's all the stress reducing techniques that we hear about, such as deep breathing, eating right, exercising, especially helps to get some of that stress and all those toxins out of your body, those things that happen. But it's just really interesting to see what happens in the brain whenever we're under chronic stress. But the hopeful thing is because of neuroplasticity that our brains can change and we don't have to stay there. And so that is what I think is so interesting and helpful and hopeful about burnout is that this doesn't define who we are for the rest of our lives. There really is things that we can do and and practices that we can put in place that help to help our brains handle stress and handle um, just all the different anxieties that come our way in a way that's healthy and good. So that's one thing I'd mention about the brain. I hate to interrupt today's discussion, but I've got to jump in real fast. If you like what you're hearing on today's show, but you want to know how to make health changes work for your body and brain, I would love to work with you. Learn more when you go to sparkingwholeness.com slash coaching to schedule your session with me. I offer personalized programs that meet you right where you are. I take everything I've learned from all these amazing experts who have been on my show, my own training from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and the School of Applied Functional Medicine, and I mix it all up with my own personal flavor, and we work together to start your journey to wholeness. Go to sparkingwholeness.com slash coaching. I would love to work with you. Okay, I'll shut up now. Back to the show. Yeah, I'm... I'm always amazed at how resilient the human body is. And we see it in cellular renewal of the brain cells in cellular renewal of the body. I mean, it's evident in every part of our bodies, but we just, we have this stuck mentality that we're stuck and that's, that's not necessarily the case. And what you're saying is that we have research (laughs) that shows that we can change. We don't have to be stuck in burnout mode. We don't have to be stuck period, but it does 
take building in the margin and, and taking care of ourselves and slowing it down. What Mm -hmm. have you found? Because you mentioned at the beginning that you are uh, running on empty type of person naturally. I'll just, I'll, I'll phrase it that way because I'm one of those people. (laughs) Um, What have you found to be helpful for you to counteract that? Mm -hmm. That's a, a great question something I'm still working on in my own life, um, but I'm so passionate about. And there's a couple different practices that I think have helped me cultivate just a more sane rhythm of work and rest and a better ability to be able to handle stress and anxiety when all that comes my way. And so one of those is cultivating rest. And when I say rest, I mean more than just physical rest, although Americans are chronically sleep deprived, that's for sure. And we all need you know, at least seven hours of sleep a night. Um, and so there's physical rest that we all need to cultivate, but it's also those restful activities, those soul nourishing activities that, that bring you delight and wonder and joy and kind of bring another sense of balance about who you are versus just focusing on your work and having that be your identity. And so remembering that there's more to life than, than work. And so just those physical activities, those life-giving hobbies, I've started to cultivate that in my life again and, and put that in a necessity category rather than a luxury category. And so another way that I've tried to cultivate rest in my life is the concept of Sabbath, which, you know, the concept of Sabbath originates in in Bible and in faith and in the Christian faith. Um, Lots of religions observe a Sabbath, lots of secular people observe a Sabbath. And so it's just a, a day off, a day of rest, a day of ceasing work and, um, really focusing, you know, biblically it is, God and, and his people enjoying creation together. And so focusing on the good gifts that God has given us. And that that's the whole heart behind Sabbath is just that, that enjoyment that we can experience. And often that's with other people. And so that's another area that I've tried to cultivate. Like I mentioned before, a big contributor to burnout is a sense of isolation or a sense of relational conflict. And so really recognizing that relationships are so key Um, and so cultivating those relationships, cultivating friendships with people that you can be so real with, and you can unload your burdens with, um, for me, whenever I am in a series of, or a period of stress, I recognize one thing I might need to do is go have lunch with a friend. I don't think I have time for it, but somehow just being with someone that knows me well and who I'm so free to be myself with helps to reset my brain, helps to give me perspective again. And so that is a stress reducing thing for me. Um, so I cultivate rest physically. I try to cultivate rest emotionally and mentally. And so resting from worry and anxiety. And so some practices that can help with that is simply mindfulness, starting the day, kind of thinking, okay, who am I? And, um, for me, I, 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 t- I remind myself, I'm a beloved child of God and that is who I am. And that I'm not defined by my work or my accomplishment. And so that gives me just the proper perspective to go into a day. So mindfulness, prayer, meditation, all of those things help me to rest my brain from worry and anxiety. So those are a couple of practices that I've tried to put in place. Some more just practical things. I really try to build margin into my life. And so if I have a meeting at 1030 and it goes to 1130, then I try not to schedule a meeting right at 1130. I try to give myself a good like 10 minute window, 15 minute window. And what that does is it gives me a chance to rest. And it also enables me to be more present with the next person that I'm meeting with. And so just being able to 
give yourself a little bit of break. Having incorporating these little bits of breaks throughout the day um, can really help. So those are just a couple of the little things that I try to do to incorporate in my life to prevent burnout for myself. I think that's so helpful. And I think it's so applicable too. And, it, you know, I, I think we can all, there are little things that we can do. And even like you said, lunch with a friend, I was really convicted because I was like, man, usually friendship, that's the thing I quit last because I've got family, family's a big one. I've got all of the thousand little Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I think I, I joke that I have seven part-time jobs, um, <laughs> but all the little things I do here and there, yeah. you know, and I just don't think, I think of just meeting up with a friend to be indulgent and to be I, something that like, is that really necessary? But that's soul nourishing. It's, mm -hmm. it's important. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's, mm -hmm. that's helpful for me, especially as things are busy. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to know a little bit about, cause we just have a little bit of time left okay. a little bit about the pandemic, because we got to bring it up because that, you know, it's like, it's now it's like just a talking point, right? What are you learning about burnout in the pandemic? Is it making rates of burnout higher? Is it affecting people more intensely or what, what are, what are you learning? Mm, good question. Um, you know, there's different studies out there that showed different things as far as the percentages and all that kind of stuff. But I might have mentioned this before, but 61% of women are feeling stressed on a typical day and 52% of men also feel stressed on a typical day. And that's that's definitely gone up since the pandemic has happened. Um, from an overall life mental health standpoint, uh, it's hit women the hardest because of job losses have hit women the hardest, for one thing. Um, and the psychological toll seems to be greater on women than on men. But the pandemic kind of is a recipe for burnout because of all the uncertainty they were ex experiencing, all the division that we're experiencing, all the opinions that are out there. Um, and so as well as the isolation that we've endured, I mean, some of that is, is changing now as we're hopefully getting to a better place with the pandemic. But it, like I said, it's been kind of a recipe for burnout. And so people are reporting higher degrees of, of burnout in their workplace, especially. Um, but thankfully, some companies have really tried to adjust to this. And, and hopefully what's going to come out of this is a, is a more wellness-oriented perspective in, in a lot of companies as they realize that they need to care for their people. And so, you know, Americans kind of have this go, go, go mentality, um, the worker, you know, people never take time off. That's, that's who gets promoted at companies is the one that's de so devoted to their work. And so I think the pandemic has helped people realize that we need to have a better work-life balance. And that's kind of this elusive term. Sometimes it's hard to nail down, but um, allowing people more flexibility, allowing people more um, time off, recognizing mental health is a significant thing and helping to protect your workers' mental health is, is so key. And then also with the, you know, with everybody working from home, that does have an impact on mental health for sure. It's good in lots of ways, but also um, seeing how you can still cultivate a sense of community in your workplace is really key. And I hope a lot of companies are trying to pay attention to that. How can they cultivate community among their workplace, even if they're all on a screen most of the day? And so um, hopefully there'll be some good changes that come from this, but the pandemic in general has definitely increased levels of burnout among both men and women, but it seems to have hit women the hardest. 
Yeah. And, and at, at this rate, I think about, you know, what you're saying about our prefrontal cortex and our, our prefrontal cortex at this point is so far offline that I don't know what it's going to take to get it back. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I you see, you see it in, in the social media commentary, just hopping on Twitter and all the yelling. And I mean, it's, it's yelling and name calling and it's just loud. It's a lot. And so part of my self-care is, is trying to stay away from that mm-hmm. and try, even if I don't agree with somebody, I, I don't need to comment. They, they don't need to know. They probably already guessed that I don't agree with them about whatever it is they're saying. Is it really necessary for me to share that? I don't agree. Like really that's only stressing me out. They don't care. You know? <laughs> and that's something I've always struggled with always, 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 because I want my opinion made known, but this has really caused me to put more boundaries up, which I guess is a good thing, but I will say working with clients and talking about health and nutrition and things like that. I have found that there are a lot of people, they feel guilty when they're working from home because it's almost just indulgent being at home and you're pajamas anyway, to an extent. And so they don't take as many breaks. They don't feed themselves nourishing meals and they don't, they don't get up and walk around because at work it's like, well, you're already here. I'm going to go walk over and say hi to this coworker. I'm going to do this. You know, I might go take a lunch with this person, but when you're home, it's almost like you just feel guilty for being home. Mm -hmm. And so you don't take the time to care for yourself. And I've, I've seen that with quite a few people. And I thought that was Mm -hmm. so fascinating. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with that. The work-life balance thing has, has gotten pretty out of whack. I mean, it was already out of whack, but now that you can constantly be connected because you don't have the boundaries of a commute or of leaving your office or being away from your computer, I mean, it's constantly present. And so that's where we have to really be intentional about our own boundaries and having time for work and time off. And so, yeah. Like I said, it was already a problem before, but I think now people can be really tempted to work nonstop because of the work from home thing. Yeah. Well, I, what I love though, is that we have this knowledge and when we have this knowledge, we also have tools and you have provided so many tools and just being aware of this is, is helpful. And like I said, even validating the stay at home mom and validating the person who is in the helping profession, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. so many people are caring for people physically or mentally, emotionally throughout what we've all been through the last year and a half, two years, just about, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's just ongoing and it's really drawing attention to the fact that we do need this, right. These practical tools. So I got to ask you, it's my favorite question. If you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would you say? I would want to just tell someone that there is always hope. So if they find themselves headed towards burnout or maybe in the thick of it, even um, it's really an opportunity to step back and take a look at your life and your reevaluate, reevaluate your life and priorities and work towards living differently. And to really think about some of those activities and things that are soul nourishing for you and give yourself permission to engage in those things so that you can live wholly and wholeheartedly. And then also being burned out does not mean that you're weak or that you're a failure or that you can't handle pressure. It simply means that you're human. And as human beings, we have limits that we have to embrace in order to live wholly and wholeheartedly. And so my encouragement would just be to embrace and invite those limits and those boundaries. That is perfect. I totally agree. I love it. I love your message. And where can people find more about what you're doing and researching and learn about you? 
Great. Sure. Yeah. I have a website that I'm working on. It's, it's just www.michellepicorni.com. Um, my name is a little bit crazy. So the, it's spelled P-O-K-O-R-N-Y, michellepicorni.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being part of this conversation. I'm sure we could go on forever and ever, um, but I appreciate you taking the time and I know it was valuable for other people because it was valuable for me. Great. Thank you, Erin. I loved being here. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.